This morning, we are going to get right to it because we've got a lot to cover. We are talking about what the Proverbs has to say about parenting. So we're talking about parenting this morning. Now, I've never seen this. How much is packed into the opening words of the Proverbs? And the theme of Proverbs, many of you know, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's in verse 7. But as we read this, I want you to ask the question, but how do we acquire wisdom? How do we acquire the fear of the Lord? Look at Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let the wise person listen and increase learning and let the discerning person obtain guidance. Now jump down to verse seven. It says, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. Let's stop there. So Proverbs is a mom and a dad talking to their son. I mean, the Proverbs is essentially a parenting manual. And so we get to listen in on this conversation. In verse 8, he says, listen, my son. In verse 2 and verse 7, both have this idea that the Proverbs, he says in verse 2, are for learning wisdom and what? Discipline. That's the point. The Verse seven says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So if you, and if you go through and you look at all of the Proverbs that speak directly to parents about how to raise their children, there's this idea of discipline. This word keeps coming up. I don't know about you, but I have an aversion to that word. I don't like that word discipline. I hear punishment. Um, I also hear this. So I, uh, get some friends, Dan and Doug. I've got two men's groups on Wednesday morning and they kind of meet um, a group of guys from my connection group and then kind of bleeds into my uh, old guys group, the Caleb's. And these are guys in their 70s. And so we were hanging out, kind of mingling in between and, and two of the guys started talking, Dan and Doug. And they both have, uh, they're just raving about their personal trainer. They both have the same personal trainer. And this is kind of a new concept to me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm listening in on this conversation and so forth, and they're like, oh yeah, this is so great. I mean, every day we come in, he's got a new routine for us. He's taken us all around the gym. He knows our exact issues. And listening to these guys in their 50s or 70s, like describe their aches and pains is amazing. Like you get to know your body so well, they're like, yeah, this, this motion right here and this area in my back, and they know exactly how to work that. I'm like, Man, that's amazing when you get to that age and you know everything that affects your body. You know, you're like going through the buffet line and you're like, better stay away from the bacon bits. That will give me whatever, you know what I mean? Like you just know your body so well and they're like, this personal trainer is tuned in to like everything and he's given us exercises and, and understands our issue. And then they, they, they're like, he walks me around the gym and Dan's like, oh yeah, when he gets out and he shows you how to do the squats and this is how you point your toes. He's showing them everything. I'm like, yo, he talks to us. He's 
They love this guy. And to me, I'm like, wait a minute, you guys pay for that? Like you pay for so, like to show up and have someone like boss you around the gym all day? That's, I, I don't know, I, that's new to me. I just, I don't get that. But here's the thing, they know something that I don't know. They are paying for discipline because they see the value of it. They see what's on the other side of it. Like apparently people that exercise and have like healthy habits, like feel better. That's a crazy thing, isn't it? And they know that and they know the only way they're gonna get that is if they pay to have someone train them. Listen to this. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline, that is not me this morning. That's why I need this talk as much as anyone. That's, but whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but the one who hates correction is stupid. I love the Proverbs, how black and white it is. Like you, if you don't like if you're the type of person who will not be corrected by anybody, you're always right. You're just an idiot. I mean, Saul just says it like it is. You are stupid. All right. So, um, well, that's me. So here's our situation. Let's just get this straight. Just so you know, kind of the big idea of where we're going. Here's the situation. Nobody wants discipline, but everybody needs it. That is the situation we find ourselves in as we come to the book of Proverbs. In fact, we need discipline so desperately that all of us were born with two personal trainers, a mom and a dad. We were born with it. We didn't choose them, but we came out of the womb and it's like there were some people that catch us. They're like, all right, chop, chop, let's get started, right? And Thus begins a life of training. Now, as we start our journey into the book of Proverbs, some of you have had some, you had some bad personal trainers. Some of you are like, oh yeah, one of my trainers never showed up. They were just gone. So actually, I only had one personal trainer. Some of you said, I have none, right? Maybe some of you, they actually taught you the wrong way to do life. So you're like, actually, I have a lot of pain in my back because of them, right? They told me how to do it the wrong way. Or some of you had personal trainers that had a TV and a remote and they just sat around and they just told you what to do, but they themselves were out of shape, right? Nobody wants a personal trainer who's like so out of shape, right? You want somebody who's like, I want to be like that. And you didn't have that. Some of you, uh, your personal trainers were like, uh, you're, you'll never amount to anything, like you'll never be in shape. They were just not good. Some of you are in the midst of personal training and you're like, my clients are lazy, rebellious, walk around with a personal TV and social media and they're always doing this and I'm trying to get them to do stuff and they just won't do it, right? Some of us are in the midst of that and some of you are those lazy clients. So listen up. All right, 
You just need help, and I'm, I'm with you in this. So I'm not coming to you as one who's got it all figured out. I'm, I'm probably uh, the one who's just saying, hey, I, I need some help. Somebody help me. So the first thing that I'm trying to do in this, in this message is I'm trying to rehabilitate this word discipline. Because if we're supposed to love this, we're going to have to, if you're like me, I just, I don't like that word. We're going to have to rehabilitate that word because I hear punishment. And what I want you to hear is not just like punishment, that person standing over you and like, oh, doing that wrong, doing that wrong. Uh, and kind of whacking you when you do it wrong. That, that's not the heart of this word discipline. This word discipline is more like training, coaching, teaching, that personal trainer that like, I know what's good for you and you can do it and keep, come on, one more, one more, one more. You got this and they're helping you. See, discipline is not our greatest threat. It is our only hope if we want to acquire wisdom. I love how Mikey said it last week uh, on giving. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, Mikey that, that, that preached on money, he, he said something like, the discipline comes before the delight. Like, don't wait till you want to give your money. Just like start giving your money and your heart will follow there. Um, I, I think that that's a good, we see that in the Proverbs, this idea of discipline. So let me begin with Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. Solomon says, again, do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Again, he's talking to his, his son and he's saying, Hey, when I discipline you, don't, don't hate that because I'm a parent who's also under authority. Like God is my authority and he tells me that what's good for me and then I tell what's good for you. And that's the way that you learn about God. And he's saying God is the same way. He disciplines those he loves. When we're disciplined, it proves that we have a father, we have a mother, we have a parent that loves us. Our personal trainer cares about our health and that's how God is. So the first thing is that discipline is the way that God, our father trains us. So a parent's job is primarily to discipline, to train, to coach their children through life. Okay, so discipline is gonna require five things. And we're just going to hit these hard. Five things discipline requires. Number one, discipline requires a disciple. What is the root word of discipline? Disciple. It means a student, a pupil, a, a learning follower. That's what a disciple is. It's a little apprentice. Somebody who follows someone else around and learns how they live and what they do and takes on the, the character traits of their teacher. That's what a disciple is. So he says here that, that in Proverbs 3, that this, this son of God accepts the Lord's instruction, welcomes it, invites it into their life. So here's the thing. God made parents to make disciples. 
But to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. If you're going to be a personal trainer, you have to have been trained yourself. You have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the best thing that you can do, and you have, like this is, if you get this, you don't need anything else. The best thing you can do for your child, if you are a parent, is to model a real relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a real faith, like the kind of faith that you wake up in the morning and you surrender your life to Jesus and he transforms you and you become more like Jesus every day, if you have that, you have everything you need to be a parent. If you get that one thing right, you are good to go. And some of you this morning are like, you know, great. I'm failing at parenting. I'm failing. Like I'm watching it in real time and I'm failing. Or some of you are like, I never could be a parent because I have no idea what to do. Or some of you are even like, I failed. Like I should have just skipped church today because my, my kids are all out of the house or I never had children, or whatever it is. Um, I just want to say to you, there is hope for you this morning. There's hope for you. That's what the good news is. There's hope because if your kid, if you are empty nester and your adult children say, oh man, dad used to be like dot, dot, dot. Have you seen him now? Like completely different person. If you're kids can see a changed life, they're going to see the gospel played out in real time and that is going to be a powerful witness to them. Maybe you don't have all the things figured out, but you yourself are just working the way it's trying to get and you're being transformed and the kids are looking on saying, wow, Jesus is doing work in them and that's a great witness to them. So I want to encourage you with, with that. Number one, uh, discipline requires a disciple. And I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about you being a disciple of Christ. Now, second thing. Now, I, I went out of the Proverbs to get this one, Deuteronomy 6. This is one of the most famous passages in the whole Old Testament. And it, it begins, a uh, hero is Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now verse six. He says, these words that I am giving you today are to be on your hearts. Listen to this, verse seven. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The training happens in everyday life. It's not just in a gym once a week. It's all, all of a sudden that personal trainer follows you out of the gym. And it is all of life. Second thing discipline is going to require is your presence. You are shaped by the people you spend time with.
that saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the apple tree, a chip off the old block, like this, you are going to shape your kids. And if you're not with them, like you're not gonna influence them as much. And this is just how it is. I'm afraid for us as a culture that I'm just speaking like not necessary to you directly, but just as a culture, kind of a meta-analysis of where we're at is that families are just too busy. I don't know that there's ever been a point in history where like families are busier than they are now. And it's like a lot of parents don't actually raise their kids. They kind of hire it out, right? And you see this in the way that, you know, kids starting like at all of a sudden two years old, the kids in ballet or, you know, AAU basketball or AAU this or that and, and club sports. And, you know, it's like my kid can't be raised if they don't have a coach, you know. And this, this idea of activity after activity and the, I think we need to rethink this a little bit. I mean, there's think about this. What a child needs is not a bunch of activities. What a child needs is you as a parent. There is nothing that they need more than you sitting down with them and opening a book, sitting on the couch and just reading Frog and Toad. I mean, man, how many books have I read that caterpillar, the hungry caterpillar and zoom went the dump truck around the bend, you know, and and you get these, these books that you have memorized. And so you're trying to speed read them and, you know, bedtime's like, I need a book. And you're like, you've got the thing memorized and you're just going fast and they're trying to look at the pictures and you're just powering through. And, and it's like, no, the kids need to stop and look at the pictures. And hey, who does this remind you of? And how was this? And you start interacting with your child. And there's like tons of studies about how kids whose parents read to them. That's like such a foreign thing now where we try to just rush through it before bedtime. Our children need us to be with them, present with them. It's hard, it takes time, it's frustrating, it takes a lot of patience. And as the kids get older, you have to get more creative in the ways that you hang out with your kids. It, it used to be frog and toad or whatever, Berenstein Bears, and now it's like Xbox and Madden 20 and we're building our team. And, but that's where we connect. That's the water hole in the Aaron household. We're building our Madden team and we're talking about politics and coronavirus and what they learned in science class and all this stuff and try to figure out what player we wanna recruit next and all that stuff. That, just finding ways to like be with your children. Not just showing up in the stands and watching them and waving and taking pictures and posting all of them, but like actually being with them. Some of us need to rethink our lifestyles even in this. And, and this isn't just like a do both parents work issue because I've seen families where both parents work and they're amazing parents are purposeful. I've also seen parents where, you know, someone stays at home, but they're always on their phones, right? It's not, the point is not to be around your kids. The point is to be with them and purposeful. Okay, so one of your greatest parenting regrets will be 
that you were not there. Discipline is going to require our presence. We need to be with our children to talk about them when we sit in our house, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. The assumption is we're, we're going to be together. We're going to be with them. Um, for this next point, um, have you guys ever seen a pastor walk on eggshells? Well, you're about to for this next point. Okay, so just like, can you, hey, before we move on to this next point, can you just give me some grace on this one? Because some of you are just going to like immediately turn me off when I say this, but we're going here, okay? So I would love to conveniently leave this out of the Proverbs, but I feel constrained to tell you the whole truth, nothing but the truth. It's in here, guys. Proverbs 13, 24. Here it is. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. 23, 13, don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. 19, 18, discipline your son while there is hope. Don't set your heart on being the cause of his death. The third thing that discipline requires is a device. <laughs> okay, a device. I, that's like in the Proverbs, it says a rod. What I'm saying is that's not like a steel rod. That's probably like a, some type of a branch off of a, a little plant or something like that. It's, it's some way of getting your kids' attention. Now, some of you have just checked out. I want you to hang with me on this point. Work with me here. Um, it's funny. We had this conversation in our house. Um, my wife says to me, uh, you know, parents don't spank their kids anymore. And one of our sons, we call him the peanut gallery, chimes in from the other room because kids these days aren't as bad as they used to be. We just don't need it. We were in elder meeting and, and Dale was talking, um, you know, Dale's 60 now. And he said uh, that he had a principal that spanked him. He went into the principal's office, had to grab his ankles and got spanked. That's how old Dale was. I don't know how long ago that happened, but uh, yeah. It, and it kind of proves my son's point. Kids aren't as bad as Dale probably was. So um, anyway, I, listen, I don't want my, our kids' principal spanking our children. Well, most of them. Um, but can we say this? Can, can we just say this? Maybe the pendulum has swung a little bit the other way. Are you with me on this? Um, I, I think parents overprotect and underdiscipline. I, I just think that's true culturally. No judgment on any of you guys here, but I just think that's true. I mean, I'm all for, I mean, this is the antibacterial wipe generation. I mean, I love antibacterial wipes, especially this time uh, in the point in the world. But I mean, man, I'm telling you, when I was a kid and I'm with Grandma Marge, her antibacterial wipe is she dug around in her purse and she pulled out a Kleenex and spit in it and started wiping my face with it. Like that was our antibacterial wipe. It was like grandma spitting into a, you know, sometimes on her hand or, you know, shirt or whatever. It's like now, like, nah, right? It, 
I was talking to um, a guy who's a teacher and I said, I asked him in preparation for this, I'm like, hey, I'm preaching on, he's not a Veritas guy, but hey, I'm preaching on parenting. You're a teacher. You see kids all the time. What's the thing that you would say to parents? He said right away, you're meant to be a parent, not a friend. He's like, what I mean by this is parents are afraid to be the authority. He said, used to talk about helicopter parents. He goes, there aren't helicopter parents anymore. It's snowplow parents. Parents that are clearing out every single possible barrier to their kids so that, that the kids can just stay on their phones and walk behind them and like not have to do anything. He's like, let your kids fail. Let it be hard for them to do something. Right? Don't just like pay bribes to get them into the college that you want to. That's kind of where we have ended up as a culture, right? That was, was that like a like mean, controversial thing? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying like, that's not good, right? If you don't have an Ivy League child, then let them do community college, right? It's okay. Like, that's not a right that you have as a child. Like, find your place and just do it. Like, I'm not Ivy League material, right? I went to Iowa State. Like, that was bad. <laughs> right? All right. I'm so off the rails. I don't even know where this thing's going here. All right. What is the reason that Proverbs gives for using the, the branch or the rod to train the child? What's the reason in those verses? Why does he say this is so important? He says, so that he will not die. Don't be the cause of his death. If a child never learns the danger of a street or a pot of boiling water or an M80 firecracker, they could literally die. This is why we need to get our kid. I, I don't know if it's a timeout for you or how you do this. I really think you should think through these Proverbs and find somebody who's modeled this. We're not in, it's beyond the scope of our morning to get into the ins and outs of this and what that looks like. Um, find someone who's maybe modeled this well because many of you have, I mean, abuse is a real problem and, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But what I'm saying is your children need to understand rewards and consequences. And the point of this is not punishment. It's to get your child's attention to say, this is very dangerous. So here's a few things. These won't be on the screens, but you're just gonna have to write them down rapid fire. Um, some, just some like sub points on this point of discipline requires a device. The first thing I would say is start early. Start early. It says discipline them diligently. In Hebrew, this is interesting. This idea of diligently is the idea of to seek early, to look early for opportunities. It's like there's a, there's a diligence here. I've found that zero to three, and I, I think this is in, um, I think Ted Tripp talks about this in Shepherding a Child's Heart, where that z window of zero to three is like the most important time for your child to learn obedience and submission to authority. Like if you miss that window, your child is probably going to think that they're in charge. 
It's such a formative time. Don't miss that. And don't be afraid to be the authority. And I see parents do this. If you could see this graph here, uh, this was kind of helpful for me to kind of think about this. Like this is zero to 18. And at the beginning of your kid's life, you are the authority. Like you're making all the choices. The, the infant doesn't choose what time, you know, they do this or that. Like they're not in charge. Clearly the mom is like, you know, making decisions for their child, right? And as they get older and you put the food and you're like feeding them the, the peas, right? And then the, the squash and the, you know, whatever, baby food. And you're feeding them and like you're choosing what goes into their mouth and like spit it out or something. And sometimes they'll take their spoon and they'll like throw it on the ground or whatever. But, as, but you as a parent need to decide like making choices for them, right? The kids don't have a lot of, so you have high authority. And as they go on, you, your role changes. Because if your kid's 18 and you're still making all of the decisions for your child, like that's not good, right? You, your role changes from authority to influencer. Now, this is not saying you're not an influence at the time they're little. Influence is the idea of um, your role changes to become more of a, an advisor, a counselor. Like when your kid's 18, leaves the house, like your role as a parent changes. And so what this looks like, this training process changes with time. You're giving the child more freedom as they get older and you're working with them, you're letting them make choices that have real consequences. And when they fail, you're not scolding them and Matt, you're working with them. Okay, let's talk about what did we learn from this, right? And your role changes as a parent. That's the first thing, but start early. Don't miss that window early on in life to train them. Okay, the second thing I would say is uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you are a parent of little children, demand first time obedience. My advice to you is don't count. Like when you say something, expect them to obey the first time because delayed obedience is actually disobedience. I remember the time where I was like, Savannah, it's time to clean up, put away the markers. And she took the marker and she started, she goes, dad, you are a, and she just started scribbling and making it all black. Like that was a little kid's way of like cussing me out. Like, and it's like, oh yeah. So we're gonna have to do something about that. All right. Demand first time obedience. It's time to put away the markers like right now. And there's consequences for not listening to that. The third thing I would say is disciplining never in anger. Um, if you have an anger problem, my advice to you is like never spank your child because you will do so much damage to them. And some of you have experienced um, physical abuse and it is terrible. Um, I am sorry for those of you that have have had that experience. And the point is, again, it's not, I'm raging at you because you did this and how could you? And no, I'm just trying to get your attention to help you to see the harm of what you're doing and, and the good of what we want. So a lot of the studies about the damage of spanking, I would consider 
would be abusive situations um, culturally. But uh, the fourth thing is, I think, unity and consistency on this. Unity with your spouse and consistency to follow through. And it takes a team. It takes a team to do this, to raise children. And it's a ton of work. And I know that like my wife helped me a lot because I was very passive. And there's a lot of times stuff is happening and, and she's like giving me the, hey, Mark, do you see that? See what's going on? Like, you're gonna do something about this? And it took us being a team and me kind of stepping up a little bit. And I would just say um, on this point, unity and consistency, many, like some of you, I don't know many, some of you um, are single parents. And I just, I have so much admiration for single parents and what they are doing to try to raise their kids and do their best. And I'm so sorry for however you ended up in the situation you're in. I just wanna encourage you to keep going. Like your kids will see, like I've seen this in a lot of kids that had been raised in single parent homes, like they have so much, like their respect goes up for you when you live this out because they will see as an adult how hard this was for you to work that, those three jobs to, so that they could have shoes for whatever wrestling or whatever, or the way that you were tired, but you still were purposeful to train them. I just want to encourage you to keep going in this. And um, the fifth thing is on this point of discipline is uh, don't forget why. Listen, kids will fight discipline because they don't know what's good for them. That's your job as a parent to know the good. And they don't want a personal trainer. They don't want a personal trainer. Like one of my favorite all-time moments is my friend was, they were at the dinner table and, and their child, little three-year-old, stands up in his chair. And mom says, sit down or I'll give you a spanking. And he grabs his spoon, he stands up, he goes, I'll give you a spanking, mommy, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they don't want personal trainers, right? Don't tell me what to do. But listen, they don't want to be in shape. They don't want piano lessons. They just want candy and iPads and video games. But you know the good. That's your job as parents, to know the good and demand that as an expectation, right? And the last thing here is find a mentor. Find a mentor. Find someone whose kids you admire parents whose kids you admire and ask them, now, what did you guys do? What did this look like in your home? Now, this last point I want to make quickly. The last thing is that dis discipline requires hoping for your children. Write that down. Discipline requires hoping for your children. Here's what I mean. First Thessalonians 2.11 says, as you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is the apostle Paul who's saying to us as parents, our job is to encourage. You know what that word encourage means? Encourage, encourage. It's to inject courage into somebody. It's to keep hope alive in them. Another friend called me. He's like, Mark, here's what happened. My four-year-old, I'm putting in bed and we had had conflict that day. And I said, I love you. And she said to me, oh, I don't love you. And I don't love Jesus. And I'm never getting baptized. And I love Satan better. 
right? I was like, oh, that's so cute. But it's not cute when that four-year-old is a 14-year-old or a 40-year-old, right? And what I'm saying in this point is our job is to keep hope alive. Raising teenagers, man, there's been points where it's like, we are never getting through this. We should just quit because we're not getting through this. And then, but I think our job is to hope for them. If you're older and you said, I failed my kids, here's what I want you to remember. Three words, God is able. God is able. And our job to pray for our kids and to love them no matter what and to tell them often, there is nothing you can do that will make me love you less. Nothing you can do that will make me love you more. Just like I love you and I have hope for you no matter how bad it is. And you know what we need? We ourselves need hope this morning. And often I find I'm disciplining my kids for things that I need discipline for. And God is so gracious to us. He takes us where we are and he helps us along. He's the perfect personal trainer. In fact, he died on a cross for us. Can you believe that? We're sitting around and he sees that we are such a failure. He just dies for us. And he has hope for us. If you're here this morning, God has hope for you. He loves you and he wants, maybe he brought you here this morning just to remind you that you are his child. And we're, uh, Letha and I are reading this book um, by Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, Jeff recommended it. It's called Suffering is Never for Nothing. There's always a purpose and God disciplines those he loves. So where are you at this morning? Where are you at? Are you um, somebody who's like not a parent looking at ahead to the future? Are you someone who's maybe in the throes of parenting? Are you somebody who's like, yeah, that season is something in the past in the rearview mirror? Where are you at this morning? Um, there's hope for you. Jesus Christ is calling you into a life of training and following him. Let's pray together as we close here. Jesus, my prayer for us is that you'd fill us with, with hope and joy, knowing that you are a great father to us. You're a father to the fatherless. And you are working with us to transform us to be more like Jesus. And I pray that the good news over us, that it's not our success as parents, but it's your success as our parents, that you love us and nothing can change that. Fill us with hope and joy and wisdom. We pray in your name, amen.